I'm going to be reading from a couple of different places, uh, from Exodus 2 and Acts chapter 10. And again, I don't think I'll be all that long tonight. My notes putting this together is just a tad over two pages. I usually deal with five to six pages of notes. Um, Exodus chapter 2. tried to preach, think of something to preach against Ryan Connolly. I was trying my best since he is here for one more service. And uh, he's not even listening right now. He's looking around and I'm talking about him right now. I'm still trying to think what I could preach against you right now. I'm just not sure what. There's just so many things to pick from. I don't like you. Uh, Exodus chapter 4 and Acts chapter 10. I'm so glad the Lord moved him on. All right. So I'm going to read from, I said to you, I, I was going to read a couple of verses from chapter 2, but I think I'm just going to read from chapter 4. Chapter 2, I'm just going to read over a little over the call of Moses. Not the call of Moses, excuse me, I'm just going to read chapter 4, the start of it. But I think we're, we're pretty much familiar with that and how all that came about, Moses' life and and what was going on in Egypt at the time. And, and we get into chapter 4, and this is after, of course, he's already been... In the wilderness, that's God's calling now. He's basically been there for 40 years. And just a couple of verses to read. I just want to try and draw a principle out from two sections here and then try and be a help with some other scriptures about it. So much more of a topical message tonight. Um, Exodus chapter 4, and I'm going to read verse number 1. And this is Moses addressing God calling him to this uh, uh, to the work of leading uh, the nation of Israel out of Egypt, that he would be the leader, the man God would use for this incredible task. And Moses answered and said, But behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice, for they will say, The Lord hath not appeared unto thee. And then, as we know, the Lord again tries to reassure him uh, through a series of things that were just incredible. But verse 10, And Moses said unto the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither uh, heretofore nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. And the Lord once again, who hath made thy mouth? Who's, who's made your tongue, Moses? And now let's turn to Acts chapter 10 and read just a couple of verses here as well. Really, probably just one verse I think I'll read here. I think that'll be good enough. Uh, Acts chapter 10. And uh, it, the context of this is, is the Lord calling Peter to reach Gentiles, which had yet to be accomplished. Um, none of the apostles had went unto Gentiles yet. They were still confused about some things. And so the gospel was staying just with the nation of Israel. Although by chapter 10, we do have a little bit of the expansion to the Samaritans by this time. But um, verse number 14. This was the vision. This is in the middle of the vision that Peter had. And let me go to verse 13, actually. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. Let's go ahead and pray. Father in heaven, Lord, 
We certainly do love you. We thank you for your word. And Lord, I ask for your blessing upon the message tonight. Please control what I say and how I say it. Help me to stay true to your word with only biblical principles to be a help. And Lord, please meet the needs that are here. I pray that this would help us, that we, we would see your greatness and how you are there for us and, and to be a help. And So draw us closer to you and, and uh, Lord, meet the needs. I do pray if anyone is here who has never truly been converted, Lord, I pray that even this evening they'd repent and place their faith in Christ. Lord, I pray and ask all this in Christ's name. Amen. In Exodus chapter 4, we have Moses and the Lord calling of Moses and Moses doubting really God's call on his life and even challenging the Creator Almighty. It's, it's, almost, it's almost humorous to read considering he's talking to God and God was calling Moses well outside of his comfort zone. His life was going to change for what he knew for the last 40 years. And then on top of that change, what the Lord was asking him to do again, Moses himself, like, this is, this is not what I think I could do. Again, out of his comfort zone. Uh, Peter, the same way in the text. Peter here, the Lord trying to get him to go into Gentiles, this is a change. This is something different for his life. From what he has known his entire life, the Lord is asking him to make a change. The truth is, life is full of changes. I, even this week, and, and with Levi and one of our talks one evening, um, I actually had already got back to my room for the night, and, and he had texted and, and said, hey, let's talk. And so I said, okay, I'll meet you over by your dorm. And so I headed over there, and we had met outside and talked. And, and, I, and I said, Levi, I said, life is full of changes. And I said, this is one of them for you. I said, I know you don't understand this now, but the fact that you're outside of your comfort zone, this is a great thing. It is things like this that you need to learn how to succeed through. I said, this is one of the first stepping stones in your life right now. How you handle this, how you handle moments like this are going to be so important for you. I remember, I mean, I could certainly could relate in different experiences I had in life. I remember as a young boy, I still remember it, fifth grade, we picked up and moved. Parents had already been divorced a couple of years. I don't remember that move. But now as an elementary school, I'm in the fifth grade, and uh, we lived, the whole time we lived in the, pretty much the exact same apartment, in the same complex since the divorce. I was six years old at that time, but now I'm about ten Again, in the fifth grade, and we moved. My mom needs to move closer to some family. And so we head out, and it was getting ready to be a series of moves over the next couple of years, and I did not know that. We moved first to Amherst. It was in the middle of the school year. And so I leave my school with all my friends I knew, and I show up to fifth grade. And I joke with this portion of the story before, because I still remember my mom Line right to that counselor, whoever that was. We're in the, maybe the principal's administrative office of the school, and I'm there. I'm already petrified. It's going to be my first day there. And had asked if I was like an excellent student to determine where to put me. She said yes. I'm like, no, I'm not. That is not me. So I, I got put in like this accelerated one, which I had no business being in. They should have checked the record. They should have looked at those C grades lined up there perfectly on my report card. And uh, I got put in that class. I, I can picture it today. That door opening and walking in class is in the middle of going on. The teacher stops teaching and lets know there's a new student. 
And oh, I was petrified. It was such a major change that I did not want to go through. Two years later, we would move again. That wasn't as difficult because this time I happened to have cousins that went to this school. And that was, a, that was a great help to really know somebody that I was close with that was already attending. But I was having to learn to deal with change. The next major change in my life was the United States Air Force. And yes, the first two weeks in basic, I thought I made the biggest mistake of my life. Like, what am I doing here? It was a massive change. I'm in basic. They're, they're ordering around. And, and I'm thinking, I should be home right now watching TV is what I should be doing. What am I doing here? <laughs> but that was a big change. Uh, and then, of course, the biggest of my life, and by far the scariest, was moving to the jungle, being from Cleveland. That was by far the biggest change that was full of trepidation, fear, wondering what in the world am I doing, and, and, but knowing life is about change. Um, there are multitudes here that are going through change right now. Those entering retirement, those who are empty nesters for the first time, those with being a parent for the first time. Um, life deals with change, and how you handle change is important. That was true for Moses. That was true for Peter. And again, being willing to make changes that the Lord directs can be a very fearful thing. One thing that I think we all know, if we're of, of any age in our 20s and older, is that change itself is a constant. It is. Life is always changing. Change can lead to such emotions as fear, worry, anxiety, stress. The more, majority of these are all completely needless. It seems whenever God begins to bring us out of a comfort zone, we tend to forget that He's still there. It's as if God is only in control and strong when everything's going good. God is so good. But it's, it's in the times when we need Him, when there is some type of major change that takes place, it's like we forget he's still in control. That hasn't changed. So I'm going to try and give just a few helps tonight in regards in, in dealing with lives, li, uh, as dealing with changes that come in life. As we saw in Peter's example, we all, there, there seems to be a common human characteristics that we resist change. It's true of all, some stronger than others, but the truth is there's a measure of that in all of us. And some of that's a, a protective measure that can be there for a good reason. It's always important to see why the change is occurring, to see if this is something the Lord is in or not. Um, but we can take the example in Acts chapter 10 that I read of Peter. Peter was resisting the change. Not so, Lord. I have never eaten anything like this, and I'm not about to start. Um, he was resisting change. Peter had to get to a place where he was willing to submit to change that God was ordering in his life. He had to learn to follow God above all else. Eight years ago, the Independent Baptist Church had to go through a, a significant change. Perhaps the biggest change each church ever sees, and that's having a new pastor. 
Now, there are some churches that's not big of a deal. There are some churches that literally run through pastors every three to four years. Matter of fact, the common, I don't know if this is still true. I know it was true in 2002. I remember reading it in 2002 on debutation. I assume it's still true today, but 20 years, things can change. Um, At that time, the average pastor stayed at one church seven years. Seven years. And then reading the, of that article was fascinating. Of that article, I think it was put out by Pensacola Christian College at the time. The main reason that they left the church was simply because the pastor wanted to change from the church there. And I was like, what? It was almost like you forget why you're there. It's not like you get to, it's not like a career. It's not like you're in management of the company. Hey, I want to go to a new location. That's never how the ministry works. But nonetheless, this church went through a significant change eight years ago. Independent Baptist Church had only known one pastor. That was it. Pastor Stan Roach, the founding pastor of this church. And then all of a sudden, at least somebody that the majority of the church certainly knew from being an assistant pastor here for a number of years, but was gone for 12. I mean, I was gone for 12 years. That was... What was that? Yeah, that was almost double the time that I was actually here. That I was gone. I never really thought about that till just now. But nonetheless, this church had to learn to deal with that change. There were some, for the most part, I think the church handled it amazingly. I do. There was some resistance, and that is to be expected, as, as things would be done differently. Um, Greg would, where's Greg? Where, where's he at? Oh, he's out there. He's raising his hand out there. A head deacon. I knew he would have to do a change because of his leadership position. All the church would, but because of his leadership position, he'd have to deal with somebody who was entirely different than Pastor Roach. And I remember several of the times it would just put a smile on my face. He would give, give up and give a testimony every now and then, always trying to usually be an encouragement. And I'm trying to remember how he would word it. He had worded something like, um, it's good, it's different. Um, I don't know. He, he's listening. He can maybe remember the phrase he used, at least two or three testimonies that he had said it. And, uh, but I knew he was dealing with trying to deal with somebody who was different. I wasn't Pastor Roach. Um, even though we were close and I was his assistant pastor for a number of years. If those of you were here during that time, he was like a dad to me. We were very close. But if you remember even then, We were not the same or close to the same. He was from West Virginia, the cowboy boot-wearing hunter. He could snap your neck with his two fingers. I can barely do this with two fingers. Um, But ministry, we worked very well together. Very well. But we certainly weren't the same people. Change had occurred. Um... I remember the very first, uh, in my mind, anyhow, I'm sure some of you came up with changes I made that were prior to this that you didn't. But in my mind, one of the first things I approached for a change, because it was within the first several months, was putting a wall up around the gym. Greg Jacobs had approached me about the idea, and it was good timing for it that he hit me with it, because it was that very week. That's probably why he told me, I don't remember, we had the Friday night bus thing was going, and we had two brothers got in a fight, and one slammed the other kid's head against our... Remember this? You can't see them now because the wall covers them up. Slammed his head against the steel, the, the support beam, and busted his head open. And so Greg approached the idea about building a wall up around, and I said, yes, 
I didn't hesitate. Let's do it. Let's plan it. Let's get it done. Well, I had a few people come to me very quickly. I'm thinking of one in particular. This is not a good idea. I don't think we should be doing this. And, and I said, listen, I, I believe it is essential. And I said, I've looked at other options because they tried just putting rubber things. I said, listen, I like the idea of the wall. And I told them this. And that's been my philosophy that I've maintained for eight years and can, can plan to continue to do it for the years I'm here. I said, I said, I pray for wisdom for those who are in different positions of leadership. And he, he is, looks over these grounds and those buildings. I said, I don't have time to think on that. But I pray that he does. He had that idea. I think it's a good idea. And so we ran with it. And by the way, it looked amazing. When he, do you remember that? It looked in, and it worked. I appreciate that person did come back to me and said, you know what? That worked out really well. Yes, it did. But that was a change. I remember in the four-year. Remember, I was going to redo the four-year. There's several of you came with that four-year issue. What are we doing here? What's going on? <laughs> then the pulpit came. That was, that's a fairly new one right there. Um, I won't even bring up the Camp Chapel right now. <laughs> but change occurs in life. It does. Here's some things that I believe will help when it comes to change. And the ones I just brought were more humorous, not dealing with significant issues. Whether that is something that's fairly significant, like entering retirement. Um, an empty nest, or a major change that happens in the family, or, or things like that. Let me try and give some help. Look over in Lamentations chapter 3. Now, the book of Lamentations is written, written by, of course, the weeping prophet Jeremiah. And the reason why it's the book of Lamentations is because he is looking over the devastation that was once Jerusalem destroyed. That city of God is demolished. And what he knows is change has come. And this was a tough one. This is a direct result of God's chastisement. After all, this is even the prophet that was warning and pleading with the nation. You've got to repent. Judgment is coming. <clears throat> Change hits. I want you to notice something, though, that he clinged to that helped him deal with change. Let's start in verse 21. Great, great statement here. This I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. Massive change had come, devastating change in this case. But let's continue where he goes from there. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in him. The hope is in God. His world, from what he knew, had been devastated. And he says, this is what I need to keep in mind, and this is where my hope is going to go, is in the one thing that doesn't change, and that is God. 
Great is thy faithfulness. Jerusalem wasn't faithful to you. This world changes. Problems arise. Trials hit. Sin occurs. But God's faithfulness never changes. That's one thing you never have to doubt. It's one thing you never have to question. And so Jeremiah, in the midst of heartbreak over what was taking place with the fall of his own nation, he said, listen, I have to remember what it's all about. It wasn't about Jerusalem. It wasn't about Israel. It's about God. And you know what? He hasn't changed. He's still faithful. He's still faithful. I think a key in dealing with change is being able to stay focused on God, knowing there is no change in God. To be able to cling to that when that's occurring. His compassions and faithfulness, they fail not. They're new to us every morning. Think of the different examples in the Bible who use this exact same principle. Daniel. Think of the changes that man endured. As a, starting off as a teenager. I mean, going back to the destruction of Jerusalem, he was taken out. Of course, we know the three different sieges that occurred. During one of those sieges is when Daniel would have been taken captive and brought into Babylon as a teenager. And that was a man who clearly, as you, we could, I could go to Daniel chapter 1, I'm not going to. You could see where he purposed in his heart to do what's right. In other words, he just stayed focused on God. When the change occurred, he didn't pull back. I'm going to get more into that. It's going to be important. He didn't. He stayed focused on God. Moses would end up doing the same thing. He would end up focusing on God and being the leader that the nation of Israel needed. David was a great example of this. I mean, here's the guy. Think about this. This is As a teenager as well, he goes from just simply a shepherd... To a general. Overnight. I mean, you don't think he had a little bit of fear with that? From a shepherd to a general at 16, 17 years old. To, eventually, king. Paul is one of my favorite examples of this. All the changes he had to endure from the moment of his conversion. Incredible. Incredible. But as Malachi chapter 3 tells us, verse 6, I am the Lord thy God, I change not. He is there. He will never leave thee nor forsake thee. This is why it's so important. I was preaching this principle even at Fairhaven this week. How the importance where, where it was a whole different message. But I was preaching on how God needs to be your culture. He does. And in this case, I can apply this to this message because it's like this. When God is your culture, that never changes. When that's what you're used to, when your life is about Him, that will never, ever change as far on God's side. Never. You would never, you'll never have to do or endure a change as far as that's concerned. That's why Paul, when he's in prison, can write a book about joy. Because his actual culture Never changed. His life was about God when he was outside of prison. Guess what it was about when he was inside of prison? God. Now, if his life was all about ministry, he has a problem. Because ministry just ended. He's going to be miserable. He's going to be suffering. But his culture 
did not have to change because it was about God. That's why Jeremiah Lamentations is going right back to what it's all about, where it's all about God. It's knowing God is in control. He knows right where you're at. Next. This is important. When you're going through change, listen to this. One, you cling to God. You stay focused on Him. Secondly, stay faithful. Do what you know is right. Don't stop. Look at Job chapter 13. Turn over to the book of Job. If any man had to go through drastic change in life that would have been incredibly difficult, it was Job. Verse number 15 says this, Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Now get this. So that's the first part of my message, basically. Just stay focused on God when change occurs. Don't lose that. He doesn't change. But look at the other half of this. But I will maintain mine own ways before him. Listen, don't let the current change affect your own walk with God. Many times you're at a vulnerable state depending on the level of change that is occurring. I'm dealing obviously with significant change in personal life. And sometimes what gets attacked immediately is your own walk with God where all of a sudden that begins to disappear. Don't, don't lose the, your own way before God. Maintain that. Do what you know is right. Stay faithful. One of my, the man who was best man at my wedding, he went through a horrible change in life. It was horrible. I even, it was so bad, I, I flew back when it had occurred um, to try and be a help to him. I flew back to Ohio, and I still remember sitting in a, in a restaurant, him just weeping. And he told me this. This was a few weeks after I passed. He said, you know what really helped me? He said, when this occurred, he was, uh, he was the youth pastor. I was there. He was now the adult Sunday school teacher. He said, Pastor came to me and said, you're teaching Sunday. And he's like, no, no, I'm not. He goes, there's no way. He goes, no, no, you are teaching on Sunday. And he said, I didn't realize how much of a help that would be. Maintain your own ways before the Lord. Do what's right. Don't stop doing what's right. Don't use that as an excuse to walk away from God. Stay close to Him. He's the answer. He's the strength you need. He's the wisdom you need for the change that's occurring. Because it's during seasons of change, if they are significant enough, that the devil will attack. He will use the change to distract you, to try and diminish your own walk with God. Stay close to God. Listen, you need that. You, you need to maintain that walk with the Lord. Two more and I'm done. This verse has always been a help to me during times of change. Look over in Isaiah chapter 26. I could quote it, but I want you to see it. If you don't have it underlined or highlighted, um, boy, do that now and then memorize it this week. Isaiah 
that will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. When change occurs, for the most part, probably well over 90% of the time, I don't know actual percentages, but probably over 95% of the time, what is most vulnerable during the change is our mind, is the thoughts that come up. Again, fretting, worry, anxiety, stress, and how we handle those. So, the battle comes to the mind. It's so important that you keep your mind right. And again, the example that, I, that comes to mind is when the first time I began to use Isaiah 26.3. That was on the remote assignment. I was miserable. I was out with my family. Now, I had no idea, no plans at all that they would be with me in a couple of, in, from that time about two months from this day. I'm in my first week of my remote assignment to Kunsan. I don't want to be there. I cannot believe I'm going to be without my family for a year. Rachel was just born. Uh, Daniel and Heather are like two, three and two years old at the time. And here I am going to be a year without them. I am not for this. I'm against this. I am miserable. I have no peace. I'm unsettled. My stomach is a wreck. I, I don't want to be here. I don't want to work here. And, and thankfully, in the Lord's mercy... You know, the, the, the missionary there, Bill Stewart, he had just got back off furlough. We arrived the exact same day in country, and they happened to have a service dedicated to Bible memorization. So I hit that one even before a Sunday. I hit that one. He gives me a memorization pack. He said, here, use this. Start cutting these things out. Put them out. He goes, memorize what you can every week. We just have a service just on Fridays. He said, you're going to quote. What, if you memorize just one verse, you memorize 50 verses. You're going to quote them and then talk about how they helped you. I said, all right. And so, I am still miserable, I am at work cutting grass, and I have my packet with me, and the very first verse is Isaiah 26.3. So I'm working on memorizing Isaiah 26.3 while I am miserable. I wasn't even connecting the dots. I am called to preach. I've been preaching at this time still a lot, and I'm not even connecting the dots. I'm just memorizing because it's what we got to do for Friday. And so I'm going over it in my mind over and over and going through how I memorize Scripture. And I just about have it down while I'm cutting the grass. I will keep him in perfect peace. His mind is stayed in me because he trusteth in me. And then the conviction hits. This is your problem. And I started thinking about that verse. Wait, look, I'm laughing. What am I memorizing right now? That will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. And everything changed. I'm like, that's my problem. Since I have found out I had this assignment, I never saw God in it. And I'm like, how stupid. God is in this. And I realized, I just got to keep my mind on God. During change, The battle is in the mind. Stay focused on God. Keep it right. When it starts going off off track, use discipline of mind and rang that thing back in. Bring it under control. Get focused back on the Lord. Another thing that helps keep your mind busy, listen, stay busy for God. Keep your mind active on things that are right. Don't have that downtime. You're just dwelling and dwelling and dwelling and dwelling and dwelling. You're setting yourself up for failure. 
Get busy for God. Get active. Same thing I told Levi. I said, Levi, you're going to get busy. I said, you need to fill that schedule up. Stay busy. That's going to help you. And it will. Lastly, let me finish up with this. Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Just read one verse, verse number 12. And if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. There can be strength with godly friends and godly counsel. It can help, especially during times of change, you need that. All right? Uh, We can turn to the Proverbs of the importance of seeking godly counsel. Of, of iron sharpeneth iron. There's times you need those godly relationships in your life. And during times of change, man, sometimes those are, those are one of those things that the Lord will use just to keep you on track. To help you think through it right. So seek godly counsel from a really godly friend. Not from somebody who you think wants to tell you what you want to hear. And I'm going to use, being sarcastic with this example, and I'm going to use Roy as an example right now. Just being sarcastic, brother. But let's say I get in me that I want to leave Alaska. Winter's coming, I want to go out. Would there be any wisdom in me going to Roy for counsel on that matter? (laughs) That would be seeking somebody out who I want to tell me what I want to hear. That's not what you want. You want to seek somebody out that simply is going to tell you truth. Whether you want to hear it, which might be fine, or you don't. There's wisdom in seeking right counsel that will help you during times of change. Because it's important how you handle it. You want to be able to come out of that. You want to be come out when that shock hits and, and change comes. To be able to seek God and see Him make you stronger and better through it. Because He certainly can do that. That's what you want to see Him do. With heads bowed and eyes closed. Now let me ask this question. I know we don't have any first-time visitors here, but maybe this has been bothering, it's been pressing on your heart. And you say, Pastor, I don't know for certain that, that I am saved. I, I don't know what's going to happen when I die. I, I, it's been bothering me, Lord. I, 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 it's been bothering me before the Lord, and, and, and I need you to pray for me. If that's you, would you just raise your hand where I could see it? Anybody here like that right now? Just put your hand up where I can see it, then you can put it back down. I see some small children is all I see. All right, Christian. If there's things you need to pray about, why don't you use this invitation to come and pray here this evening. Father in heaven, I pray that you bless this time. Work in hearts and lives, Lord. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Let's all stand to our feet. Let's turn to page 243. If you need to come and pray, you come and pray. Mm-hmm.